This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Towns. And today you're going to get Richard Justice, longtime MLB columnist for MLB.com. Chris Rose, host of Intentional Talk on MLB Network. Buster Olney, who has one of the best podcasts. Absolutely love listening to it every single day. And of course, his great work on ESPN.com and Sunday Night Baseball. And Mike Petriello from MLB.com. We've got some heavy hitters for you today. Here is Richard Justice. Let's get into a little baseball and Houston Astros. Well, it's always great to have you on the program. We love your insight for all these years. How are you down in Texas? You know, uh, probably like you, we're staying close to home. The virus has rekindled itself. I mean, we just were too careless in reopening. And so you know, I, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a great deal of fear. And every day I've got two two daughters down here and one of them is expecting a child. So, yeah, we're trying to be careful. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. Obviously special. Um, your governor talked about potentially having fans in the stands uh, once we get this thing going. Is that is that now probably in doubt? Well, when he said that, uh, well, when he when he initiated that that decision, uh, the virus looked like it was dying down, and it, so it sort of made sense. Since then, it is off the charts. I mean, the ICU units here in Houston are in overflow capacity. I believe that's true in Dallas, Austin, and San Antonio as well. Here's what's happening: the uh, Rangers are surveying their season ticket holders to say. If we open the doors to our new ballpark, would you be interested in coming back, depending on how many we let in? The the Astros say the plan is to bring people back. But, you know, Chris, between now, today, and when we open the season in the 23rd, the 24th, uh, lots can change. I mean, we are not, uh, apparently, if you if you buy into the data, we're not at the peak yet, and the peak may be a couple of weeks away. So who knows what we're going to look like in two weeks. But as of today, the the plan is maybe have some fans in the stands, not very many. But it's just like, as you know, with you and I and with all the players and the staff, can you get the fans to the point where they feel safe? And that's what everybody's debating. What was interesting is I guess you went on Sports Radio 610 in Houston and said the A's are the favorites. 
uh, it was like within minutes they contacted me to come on to talk about it. And uh, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, the A's, they just want me doing this show until uh, until we finally really know what's going on. But uh, I talked about that and our, and our fans love to hear that, that you think we are actually in a 60 game uh, season. You think we're the favorites? Yeah, well, I think it could be. I think this is what I said, I think, on opening day, the A's may be the best team in baseball because a 60-game season levels the playing field. And what was the issue for the A's? How are we going to manage the workloads for Manaya and Mont and Luzardo and Puck? I mean, when you saw those guys down the stretch last year, it was nasty. So how many innings can you get out of those guys considering what how many innings they pitched last year? And that was a real challenge over 162 games. It's, I think it's less of a challenge over 60 games, and you may be able to just let them go. Same is true of the Padres and the Braves. They have lots of young pitching. So I think this delay really, I mean, it helps the A's in so many ways. It helps get those guys ready for 2021, but it gives them a chance to win in 2020, I think. You know, but it's, it's sort of we saw this coming with their drafts. And I think I think Bob Melvin would tell you, Billy Bean and David Force would tell you, from the moment they put those two guys at the corner infield spots, the two mats, I mean, you could see something building here. And, you know, we got a chance for it to happen this year. It'd be, it would be so cool. I have known Bob Melvin for more years than I care to remember. And there is no nicer person. There is no more competent manager in, in the game. And obviously, Billy Bean goes to the World Series. Billy Bean should be in the Hall of Fame. If the Hall of Fame is for people who contributed a significant positive development to the game, I mean, Billy Bean changed so many things about the game. Um, that's what the Hall of Fame is for. But I would say, you know, he probably needs to win a championship, and he'd probably be the first to acknowledge that. You know, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, down at spring training, this was this the number one question was, how are we going to manage Lazardo and Puck? How many games right. are they going to be allowed to pitch? How many innings? Do you start them out in the bullpen? So, because if you're telling me they can only pitch so much, we're going to need them for the end of the season and the postseason. And it's like all that stuff we talked about in spring training is gone. And it's going to be, you're going to, you're each going to get 12 starts. Go get them. Yeah, that's right. 12 starts. Go get them. And what you hope is, is that the A's are in a comfortable enough position that you can make sure that they're ready to go for the postseason. Uh, because, you know, last year, when the, in the way they were using them last year, they were coming out of the bullpen, and scouts were just sitting there going, oh, my God. I mean, the you know, because Puck is a guy, you guys had seen him, but I hadn't seen him. I'd only heard of him, and I'd seen some of Lazardo, but uh, and lots of Manaya. But you, you just to see them in person, you know, especially Puck's size just like blows you away. Like, whoa, that's a big boy there. And, uh, you know, so you got Manaya, you got Lozardo, Puck, however they're going to use Montas. It's, it's very impressive. Yeah, a lot of people forget about Frankie. Frankie coming back. I mean, if Frankie doesn't get popped for PEDs, he might have been even – he would have been an all-star. He might have been starting the all-star game. He was going so good. But also, I think a team that really benefits – from COVID-19 is the Houston Astros because the vitriol that was coming <laughs> their way, I mean, everywhere they go, Richard, they were going to get hammered. Now there's no fans in the stands. There's limited media. They're, they're kind of catching a break here. A big break. By the time I got to spring training, uh, you know, and I obviously know these guys very well, 
Um, and let me just say parenthetically, everything that came out in the report, the A's have been saying for a couple of years. You probably heard it. Yeah. You know, and I even joked, joked at one point, hey, why don't you guys bang this trash? <laughs> and I don't think they thought it was that funny. But I thought it was, thought it was you know, like try to confuse them, bang the, tra- bang the trash can. But there, by the time I got to spring training, they were worn down. You know, when they won in 17, they were like people would, the thing people in Houston would ask me, are they really, do they really like each other that much? Do they really have that much fun? I mean, it was ideal. And they came, they, they helped the city at least emotionally recover from a, from a devastating hurricane. It was just, it was almost too good to be true. And now that tag, the worst thing you can have in this business is to have your reputation ruined. Because when you have your, you lose your good name, you don't ever get it back. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, you, you don't get it back. By the time I got there, uh, the, guy, the Astros that I know the best seemed diminished. They seemed just sad to, you know, to have their reputation stain like that. And that first road trip was to Oakland and to Anaheim. And they were going to be – those two places were going to be loaded for bear. And it, the problem in Oakland is that whether there's a big crowd or a little crowd, the people are very smart and they're very clever. I mean, what, I don't know if you remember Josh Hamilton dropped the ball on the last day of the season one day and yeah, won the AL West. And I was I somehow ended up in Oakland for opening the home opener the next year. <laughs> and the fans had all these signs and were throwing candy bars to Josh Hamilton, thanking him for the playoff appearance and, and all kinds of things. I mean, it was, in a clever way, it was brutal. But this was not going to be clever. This was going to be, we hate you, we don't respect you. And you, that, I mean, we talk about athletes wanting to be mentally tough. You go try to play a season when the whole world roots against you. You know, maybe the Patriots thrived on it. Maybe the Raiders have thrived on it. But it is hard to do. And I can see the difference. So, yeah, not having people uh, booing them. And obviously, so much in the world has changed. How can you, you know, I don't even know if it's going to be possible to remember that you were mad at Alex Bregman. Um, and also, I'll say this, you know, the Red Sox and Yankees, information on them coming out, everybody was trying to do it. Obviously, nobody was doing it as egregiously as the Astros were doing it. You know, the, you're the guy to ask. As you said, you you know these guys. It's just it's hard for me to believe, and you are correct, the A's were one of the first teams to complain to Major League Baseball. But if I if I have a system and that system works, we've seen – I mean, the Patriots recently got popped again. They just lost a draft pick and over a million dollars for filming the Bengals. And this goes all the way back to their Super Bowl against the, the St. Louis Rams. If you do something that works, why would you not continue to do it? That's why it's so hard for me to believe that the Astros didn't have some type of system going in 18 and 19 when the commissioner says it was only in 17. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know about any of that. That's, see, that's the problem. That came up during the World Series. It came up in the clinching game when Altuve homered off Chapman in the ALCS. You can't say, uh, well, that's not fair. No. You opened the door, and now everything on your resume is comes into question. And what? And it, you know, it's interesting. I think the Astros are going to be the most aggressive team at the trade deadline, and because they feel and the owner feels obsessive about trying to win again and maybe recovering a little of their reputation. But you know, that's that's. 
that's never going to completely go away. Um, but it would certainly alleviate things. When you look at August 31st and you think about guys that could be moved, and I think about the big contract and the rift between Nolan Arenado and the Colorado Rockies. We know Lindor doesn't want or is not going to re-sign in Cleveland. There's been talk about Chris Bryant potentially on the move. Could we see some huge names traded before August 31st? You know, part of me says no, because if you look at this season, and this was true before we had the delay, um, there were 20, 21 teams that believed they had a reasonable path to the postseason. I, I mean, look, I was looking at the projected standings this morning, and I think it's the NL Central. It's four teams separated by one game, things like that. Um, uh, so, I, I, and I think a 60-game season would actually compress it even more and keep everybody in the mix. But you're right. And teams like that, like, I mean, I don't know what the Rockies are doing, honestly. But if you're going to, you can't shop a great player. You know what I mean? You can't shop a great player. If you're going to shop a great player, you buy God better trading because you've sent the wrong message. Uh, but that's 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 just another argument. So yeah, I think any of any of those things happen. The clock clearly is ticking on Lindor. I don't. I assume it's ticking on Arenado, but it's clearly ticking on Lindor. And uh, we'll see what happens. But you know they. I see they're projected to be in a tie with the Twins or one game behind the Twins or something like that, so you never know. You know, you mentioned, you know, how many teams really having a shot, and that's why I just I just don't understand with Tony Clark and the Players Association. I don't get their – you know, they, they, they want to protect the right for a grievance. A grievance would right. take, I don't know, a couple years. I mean, we could have had 16 teams. It could have been a true tournament feel. Uh, players in the playoffs that haven't been in the playoffs before. Or Mike Trout, you know, really hasn't been in the playoffs other than one time. I mean, this could have been a lot of fun and good for baseball. Uh, what, what were the players – what was the Players Association thinking? Well, I think the background is they're unhappy with two of the last three free agent seasons as teams like the A's and the Astros and the Rays evaluate players differently. I think Farhan Zaidi said it best. Like for 40 years in free agency, we evaluated players based on what they had done. Now teams have realized that your peak performance year on average is 27. And that if you sign a 29-year-old to a 10-year contract, you're going you're gonna to be left disappointed, and they've stopped doing it. And so what, and, but the compensation system is set up to pay players in the second half of their career. That's what's going to be so difficult about the next collective bargaining agreement is the players are going to have to get more money in the first half of the career, whether that means dramatically increasing the minimum salary, starting the draft, uh, the free agent cost on the day they're drafted. I, I don't really know, but that's the backdrop, and that's the mistrust. And I covered all the labor trouble in the 80s and 90s and but the mistrust is as bad now as it's ever been so what you're right the players wanted a right to file a grievance basically i'm going to keep my lottery ticket because i might win three years from now when they they left money on the table they left the expanded playoffs on the table and i still think i think commissioner manfred has really wants to improve to change the toxic atmosphere and I keep thinking that we're going to get to a point. I thought this even last Monday 
when the, right down to the, at the last hour that they would come to some kind of agreement on on the on the expanded playoffs because there are players that just like you see you know we always hear about the split on the owner side there all the players don't feel that they were well represented but that's part of when you have these big diverse groups that's that's going to happen I, but I haven't given up hope on the expanded playoffs but it looks pretty unlikely at this point. Let's end on this. I've been asking everybody during these times, everybody's doing a deep dive on something, whether it's Netflix, reading games, Hulu, uh, exercising. What have you been doing? What's what during this shutdown, what's been the big thing for you? Well, my, my gym was closed up until three weeks ago, uh, but I have run every day, but I have gotten, I've done a deep dive on Netflix. I mean, I, this, uh, the, i I binged the the series Ozark, which is fantastic. I just binged. I've been binging Yellowstone, which is fantastic. And uh, a Netflix series a lot of people maybe not heard. I think it's Death to Us Part. It is great. So, yeah, I've done – I've watched too much Netflix. (laughs) Well, you read them on MLB.com and you see them on the MLB Network. Richard, it's always great to catch up with you. You're one of the best in the business. Be safe, and hopefully we'll be talking. Next time we talk to you, we'll be talking about games. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. See you. Always love having Richard on. Chris Rose is one of the top hosts in television, whether it's his work on MLB Network or the NFL Network. It's always great to catch up with him. Here is Chris Rose from Los Angeles. Chris Rose, how are you? Good. How are you? Uh, we are, are are doing well. We always appreciate you coming on A's Cast Live. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So we've been uh, kicking around the 60-game schedule, and, you know, there's a few teams that people really like, and one of them's the Oakland A's, and one of them's your Cleveland Indians. Um, yes. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's interesting because those two teams in particular, um, they can be great for 60 games. It just depends which 60 we're talking about, right? Like for the A's, it always takes them to to mid-June, and then they just go crazy for the next three and a half months. So can Bob Melvin get them going where they pretend that July 24th is June 17th? And, uh, you know, for, for my guys in Cleveland, yeah, you know what? They're, they're a little lineup deficient, if you will. Um, It'll be interesting to see how they start a year without Kluber and Bauer now. Uh, but, you know, you think that starting pitching is pretty good. It's just a question of how early can they go deep into game, you know, for the Indians. So uh, do I think that both those teams will have a chance to make the playoffs? Yeah, good chance. Yeah, I, I do actually like Oakland a little bit more than Cleveland, though, when it comes to that. You know, we've been thinking like, you know, what what, what are our post-game shows going to look like? And I think about your TV show. We, we're so used to the marathon and not the sprint. And now it's a, it's a full-on sprint. And if you win three games in a row or four games in a row, it's going to be great. If you lose three, four, five in a row, it's going to feel like death. What do you think your TV show is going to be like during this time? Well, it'll be fun from the standpoint of that – Every night will feel like October, and you're right from the standpoint of if you do, let's say you have a five-game winning streak or a five-game losing streak, 
in a 60-game season, that's the equivalent of having a 13-game winning streak or a 13-game losing streak. If you have a 13-game winning streak during a season, your odds are pretty good you're going to go to October. If you have a 13-game losing streak during the season, I think it's pretty safe to say we will see it in 2021. Um, so I think that's the sort of stuff that makes it exciting, makes it so different because we're so used to playing the long game in this sport, and you don't have time to do that. And I think that's going to be really fun. It's going to be difficult for managers, but it's going to be really fun for a fan base. We just had on Richard Justice from MLB.com and the, mm-hmm. in the in the two teams in the AL West that you don't want to ever say someone's benefiting from this, but from the A's perspective, you're going to be able to have all your young hotshot pitchers. You're not going to worry about innings limits. They're going to get their 12 starts. That was a big thing we were wondering about in spring training. So that benefits the A's. And then the Astros, he was talking about by the time he got to spring training, these guys were worn out about the cheating scandal and their first series was going to be in Oakland. Then they were going to have to go to Anaheim. I I, I see COVID-19 with nobody in the stands. That's going to benefit and really no media. That's really going to benefit the Astros because they were about to get beat down really fast. Yeah, I I think that that's, that's true. There's, there's no question about it. uh, That that's the way it was probably going to go. And, um, so from that standpoint, you know, Dusty Baker doesn't have to answer all the questions moving forward. And, and more importantly, the guys that were there in, in 2017 uh, and 2018 don't have to answer the question, uh, most likely. So, yeah, that's a very good point. Um, and also, you know, you're talking about the health of certain players, certainly a Justin Verlander. There was some question about that at the beginning of spring training. There's not that question now. So, you know, I do think that the Astros will remain a prohibitive favorite in that division. Um, you know, and then they're followed by the by the A's. Angels are improving. Uh, Rangers are getting there. You know, for the first time in a while, that starting rotation is really interesting. And Seattle is, well, Seattle, Seattle. <laughs> full on rebuild mode. And then how about that? The way this thing's going to work out where uh, we're all staying in the West. Oh, yay. We get to add the Dodgers. So not only do we have the Astros who won 107 games, we now get to add the Dodgers to the list who won 106. Yeah, no, I understand that. But really, you could do that with almost every division, right? I mean, if you're in the AL East, let's say, and you're a contending team out there, or you're hoping to be a contender. Let's say that the Yankees and Rays are true contenders. And with Boston, even though you got rid of Mookie Betts and David Price, you, and Chris Sale's not there, obviously, because of Tommy John, you still feel like, well, we got a decent team. Well, then you have to play, you know, the world champs, and you have to play the Atlanta Braves, and the New York Mets are, are a solid team. Um, you know, the Phillies, obviously. So I, I think you could do that with just about every division. So I'm not going to say, all right, well, it's not like they're playing 10 games against the Dodgers or they get four. So it's fine. We're starting to see players that are not going to play this year. And, and, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to judge them for it. We have no idea health situation for them, health, health situation for their families. You know, the bad look was when you weren't playing because of money, but if you're going to opt out not to play because of COVID, I, I don't think anybody should judge these guys. Well, I'll take you one step further. 
if you judge those guys, I will judge you as being a bad human being. How's that sound? I mean, I think it's, I think it's a crock of you know what. If you're going to sit there and say, well, why aren't you playing? Would you, would you be in a scarcity? I mean, it's not, hey, listen, this is something that is unparalleled in the history of this country. I mean, we're talking about having to go back to 1918 when the world was an entirely different place dealing with a, a pandemic like this. Um, you do what you are most comfortable doing. And I respect anybody's decision. If you want to play, I'm not going to judge you. If you don't want to play, I'm not going to judge you because I wouldn't want you to do that to me or my family or my friends. So if you're going to start sitting there saying, well, I can't believe that person's not playing, it's ridiculous. You might have to do a little bit of self-evaluation is my, my point. I, I told my audience today before you came on that, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you also about the NFL. Of course, you work in the NFL and the NFL Network. And, you know, we're seeing how hard it is just to get baseball going. And I think about the NFL and they're acting like it's full steam ahead and we're going to have preseason games and regular season games and fans in the stands. I just I, I, I just don't see that happening. I, I just I think it's going to be. Do you think it's going to be really hard for football to get going? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, listen, the, you don't have to be a news hound to know that the numbers are not good across this country. And so for all of these leagues that are getting going, obviously baseball, we've seen soccer, uh, we're going to see basketball. The, the object is to keep the disease out, out of running through a clubhouse, through a league, uh, they are these these sports are taking huge precautions. Do we know if they're going to work? I don't know. I don't know. So, you know, the one thing that the NFL has had on its side is time. And that's why they were able to pull off free agency and the draft and the schedule release, because those aren't on field activities. Well, now we're less than a month away from the opening of training camp. And the reality is, is that some of this stuff isn't probably going to shake out the way that the league thought. So to say that, you know, listen, that you can cancel preseason games at the drop of a hat, particularly when there's no fans involved. So you can just say, Hey, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. And, you know, if you, if you don't think that the NFL is, is looking at those scenarios and going through them each and every day and saying, we have to be, you know, we have to look at this situation by then, then I, I think you're you're mistaken. And we'll, just one more on football, and kind of relates to baseball, because we just saw what happened between management and the players, because there's going to be no fans in the stands. If there's no fans in the stands in the NFL, are they going to have to have the same conversation about compensation because of you know, not, not no, nobody's in the suites. No one's buying hot dogs and beer, the parking. Are we going to have to see the same conversations that baseball just had in the NFL? It's possible. I, I would assume. Um, I certainly think that if you're talking about contracts moving forward, my guess is that might have to do more with a salary cap in 2021. Um, you know, there's been reports out there. I'm not breaking any news here that, you know, that the, the number might go down in terms of the salary cap. And when a number goes down, if there's less of a pie, then the average salary is going to go down. So, 
Yeah, I mean, there are hurdles to clear everywhere. Um, and I do think the most important thing that can be learned through the relationship or maybe the lack of relationship that the players union and the ownership had in Major League Baseball was the ability to take a big step back and kind of see a broader look at things. Do we have to win every argument today if it will hurt us down the road collectively? And I, I think that that's the most important thing to keep in mind is what, I, you know, I totally respect the hell out of players who have a very small time frame for maximum earning power. Okay. I get that. I also respect owners having to protect investments, right? Nobody likes to lose money when they put it somewhere. I don't care if you're just playing small stocks or having multi-billion dollar corporations. Nobody likes to lose money. So I respect the negotiation process, but at some point, big picture has to take over. And it's not always about winning the argument to keep a marriage going. It really isn't. That is a very, very good point on marriage. Uh, you're not going to, well, you probably as a guy going to lose most of the arguments. <laughs> well, or just not have them. In which case, you know, that way you can, re you, you remain undefeated if you have um, a thousand ties on your belt. How much fun is it doing a show every day with Millar? He just seems like a guy that shows up every day with a smile on his face and life is good. Yeah, well, uh, he is, when I say he's literally one of a kind, you know, we all want to be, you know, special. You know, you're, we were always taught as little kids, hey, remember, you're special. You're an individual. Like, I have never met anybody like him. And 99.9% .9 of the time, that's great. It just feels like that 0.1% of the time is larger than 0.1. So I always explain to people who have never met him and always ask me the question about, hey, what's he like, you know, off the air? I always say he's exactly what you see on TV. And I always explain it this way, that his wife, that he's got four kids, but his wife's got five. Because she has to follow that guy around like he's 12. Um, he's a super fun dad. He's awesome. But he is all over the place. And... Uh, that's fun and challenging and exciting and head scratching and mind numbing. And should I keep going or no, I got you. I got you. Wait, one more baseball question. Uh, everybody's looking forward to seeing how this is going to play out. You know, the one thing that I, I'm, I'm looking forward to is can we see a guy hit 400 in, in these 60 games? What are you looking forward to with this, with this quick sprint season? Well, I, I'm actually going to be the first to admit this. I don't want to see somebody hit 400 because I don't want everybody to come out and say, well, it was only a 60-game season. Like, I, I don't have time for that in my headspace. I want to see guys excel and do a great job. And um, I, I want to see some teams compete that haven't been there lately. I'd like to see the Padres who have spent some money over the last few years, who continue to be one of the game's best in terms of having a farm system. Like, enough of that. And like, stop spending and stop being number one on the farm. Win some damn games and make the playoffs. Like, I want to see that happen. Um, you know, it'd be nice if, uh, if the Cincinnati Reds, who have made some serious moves, got it going. The White Sox, 
Like, I want to see all those teams stay in it. And um, I want to see a sprint in September. I really do, because I think that's going to be so fun. Could you imagine if half of the league or 20 teams were in contention with a week to go, how much fun that would be for the sport? It'd be great. Yeah, it would be. I've been ending all my interviews with this. Everybody's doing a deep dive on something, whether it's Netflix, it's reading, it's working out, games, Hulu, in the Rose family. What have you guys been doing a deep dive on? Well, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll, my wife and I have, have polished off a bunch of series, um, you know, on TV and, and through our streaming devices. We've both been reading books, so that's good. Um, and then we do have Sunday night. It's nice. We have two boys that are 19 and 14. And for those people that have those ages, sometimes it's hard to get anything more than a grunt out of them before two o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, so every Sunday is, this is going to sound corny, but it's like family, family fun day in the sense of probably a little pool time in the afternoon. Uh, then at night, you know, we'll have, we'll have team dinner. And then, you know, the last dance was great for us because that's kind of what started the tradition is six straight Sundays we had it. And then we were like, well, what do we do now? So now we pick a movie uh, of the week. And usually it's like in 1980s. like. Last night we watched um, My Cousin Vinny, so that was 92 or whatever. They liked it. We did Trading Places a few weeks ago with Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd. So I'm kind of like indoctrinating them to my childhood a little bit and my wife's childhood. So that's that's kind of been good. Nah, sounds great. Sounds like the family uh, getting together. It's uh, all these answers of what everybody's doing. Uh, like Richard Justice, he's hammered about a bunch of series on Netflix. Chris, we always appreciate the time. You're the best. And hopefully next time we talk, we're actually talking about baseball games. Yeah, hopefully. Let's keep our fingers crossed. And everybody, please stay masked and stay healthy, most importantly. Let's go. Take care, Chris. Thank you as well. I love that show. That digital talk is just a Millar is the best. I I, I dig Millar a lot. He's uh, I've, I've had him on the show a few few times. He, he's a he's a funny guy. Truly a funny guy. Well, all the respect in the world. You know, we're the number one podcast in Major League Baseball for all thirty teams. A's cast is, but truly the number one podcast in all of baseball is the Baseball Tonight podcast hosted by Buster Only. You read them on ESPN.com. You see them on Sunday Night Baseball. Nobody better than Buster, and he joined us on Ace Cast Live. Buster, obviously your podcast is second to none. We like to say here on Ace Cast, we have the number one podcast for all Major League Baseball teams, but there's no doubt your podcast is number one in all of Major League Baseball and the great work you do on ESPN.com. We always appreciate the time. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate the kind words. You know, it's funny that recently my wife got me these 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 Sony AirPods that are that are waterproof, so I can swim. So I download your podcast and I listen to it as I swim laps. Because you know, swimming laps, Buster, especially in, in quarantine times, it's just great to be in the pool. But after a while, it just gets boring going up and down the pool. But listening to you, <laughs> uh, whether it's Timbo or Sarah Langs or Tim Kirchin, you're helping me with my laps. Well, I appreciate that. I think we're all trying to figure out how to get through, right? Uh, for me, it's audiobooks, uh, cooking, and my goodness, my lawn looks better than it ever has. 
uh, to figure out ways to deal with this. But thank you. Well, yeah, you actually, you've talked about on the podcast, like you need to get new cooking wear because you're cooking so much. I am. I've made my 20 year old daughter, I think, went into this whole thing with a, a lot of trepidation. Uh, and now she's actually, you know, texting me in the morning. She says, Dad, can you make me some, some of your eggs? Can you make me some of your potatoes? I made a dinner for her last night. Now, I haven't drawn my 16 year old away from his pizza, uh, but you know what? You got to take them one, one, uh, one at a time. You know, this weekend, I actually took a vacation and kind of got away from it. And I think it's important for everybody to unplug. But now that I've plugged back in and I got home today uh, from vacation, a lot of weird stuff going on. I'm reading about testing and we don't have the test back yet. And I know like for the A's, position players didn't show up, uh, canceled practices for like the Nationals and the Astros. Where are we right now with Major League Baseball and the testing? A lot of uh, chaos and a, a lot of concern. Look, yesterday I, I was sitting in on the, the Zoom call for someone you know, well, Sean Doolittle, uh, of course, pitched with the A's for a long time. And the thing that really jumped out to me, uh, something he said along the way, a lot of great things to say, but along the way he talked about how tired he was. Like it was exhausting, you know. I mean, baseball, you know, typically is something with the players. It's very relaxed. They kind of amble into the clubhouse, uh, you know, say hi to their guys, go grab some breakfast, and they go out, they work out for a few hours, and then they go play golf. And now, when you think about how different this world is, even though they're back, you know, theoretically preparing for the possibility of a season, now they go to the, you know, the ball, go to the ballpark, and they got to do the testing uh, on those given days. Uh, everyone is attuned to the latest news, which player has dropped out like today, Nick Markakis, the Atlanta Braves, uh, you know, after talking with Freddie Freeman, who's ill, uh, decided that he was going to drop out. Um, and everyone wondering if this is going to work. And the fact that, you know, the first weekend after players return to their teams, we immediately get word that, you know, that the, the, teams are not able to get the, the testing results as prescribed in the health and safety protocol. It's absolutely turned this thing uh, upside down. I don't think there's a lot of time for baseball to get it right, but they have to get it right, I think, before the players feel comfortable. David Ross of the Cubs, uh, their manager, spoke about that today. You know, you mentioned it uh, a ton of times. It's like a rowboat in a hurricane. A hundred percent. And they're completely at the mercy of, you know, these circumstances around them. What's going on with the municipalities? What's going on uh, with the states? And the fact is, is that attempting to, you know, to start now, as I said on the podcast, it's like dropping a sailboat into the water right when the hurricane appears, because, and this is just bad luck. There's nobody to blame for this. Um, but uh, the fact is, is that as baseball comes back, it's when the coronavirus numbers are spiking in so many critical states for baseball, Florida, Texas, Arizona, um, California. I, I don't know the percentage of players, uh, U.S. born players who live in those states, but it's got to be enormous. Uh, and for those states in particular to be going through this and uh, I think it's uh, fueled the anxiety level and and. You know, it will be interesting to see what kind of reaction we get. Chris Bryant of the Cubs, you know, talked today about, uh, you know, the reason why he decided he was going to come back this year was because, you know, baseball 
uh, you know, was something that he enjoys. And he, he said flat out that, you know, this right now, the way it's gone right now, it's not something that you enjoy. I, I think that, you know, it's not the entire reason why some other players have dropped out, but I think that's part of it. Like Sean Doolittle said, being a baseball player right now, it's absolutely exhausting. You know, a, a connection with the Padres told me about how they didn't allow uh, a lot of their players to leave the country. You know, players born in like the Domin- Dominican Republic, they kept them in Arizona because the fear was that if they went back home, it would be tough to get them back. And I'm just wondering, like, how many teams are you talking about? Because we're seeing a lot of these. They still want these young players who are not going to play in the big leagues this year, but they still want them to play. They don't want them to take a year off. How tough is it for some teams getting foreign-born players back into the country right now? It's been a big issue, um, and I'm I can't talk about which team specifically. But what I another part of the concern here is that different teams are treating the health and safety protocol differently. I've heard about uh, individual teams that have, um, you know, as the player comes back into the country, they've followed the the, the protocol to the letter. And other teams, on the other hand, are just like telling players to go back out on the field before they get absolute clearance based on the protocol. But that, I think it really reflects one of the many weaknesses in the system. You know, over the weekend, uh, I had one official refer to it as Swiss cheese. Um, And it really does mirror what's going on in the country. You know, guys who are running baseball ops, you know, Brian Cashman of the Yankees and Billy Bean uh, of the Athletics and uh, Andrew Friedman of the Dodgers, you know, their expertise is in baseball and yet because of the current circumstance they're essentially become covid governors and there's not any precedent for this there's no training for this and again this is not to 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 place any blame or anything it's just a it's an it's a situation for which there's been no training uh no real preparation they kind of scrambled after you know determining that they were going to have a 60 game season and now uh i think we're seeing some of the results of that, whether it's uh, you know not having uh, testers show up at the ballpark, not getting test results quickly enough, or different teams handling the protocol differently, it, it's exactly what's going on with the 50 states in the country. You're as connected as anybody. When you talk to these front office officials, how do they really feel about this season? Do they really believe we are going to have a season? And I feel like a, a weatherman who's kind of set – uh, you know, instruments in different parts of his property, right? Because you want to get all the different readings. I, I actually <laughs> reached out about a week ago to different people and said, look, I, I really, I, I, I'm calling you up and I'm not going to quote you, but I really, uh, on the record, I just want to know how you're feeling about things. The vast majority are deeply concerned. Uh, in fact, I, yesterday in, in talking to the only optimistic person I spoke to, uh, you know, I, I mentioned to him, I said, look, you're the only one who thinks this is a better than 50-50 chance to work. I've had people say 0% chance, uh, this is a false hustle. I mentioned the Swiss cheese. I'll clean up the verbiage. One said it's a crap show uh, in terms of how it's being put together. And this one executive said, you know, where we are, all is good. And I mentioned to him the, the pessimism in the other places. And he said, I got to tell you, you know, while I'm feeling good about us, we're only as good as our weakest link. And that, that's a, a major concern for baseball. As they say, they're going to need to get this cleaned up very quickly, like maybe within the next 72 hours. Because I do think, as we've seen with some of the responses, 
uh, from players like Nick Markakis. They, they run the risk of having veteran players begin to walk out of camps. You know, I got to think, if baseball can't go, how does the NBA, how does the NHL, and even the NFL – I mean, the NFL is acting like it's full go, even though they finally canceled two preseason games, which, you know, they've wanted to act like, oh, we're going to have fans in the stands and it's going to be business as usual. If baseball can't get it going, doesn't that mean the other sports? How, how do they get it going? Well, and Chris, I think you can extend that question to, to things out of the sports world. You know, we got word today that Harvard is going to do only online classes for 2020, 2021. Uh, and some other schools also followed with a change in people, uh, you know, attending in person. Uh, I do think, and I, you know, living here in New York, uh, there was an announcement just the other day that Broadway will not return until 2021 at the earliest. I think a lot of people are pushing back their calendars. I know there's some baseball executives who really feel like, look, it's not really going to be back to a sense of normalcy until we get a vaccine. Until then, um, you're going to have these conversations about how to keep players uh, safe. And let's face it, anybody who's been paying attention to the news knows, you know, there's been mixed messages. There's been changing messages about how people are to be kept safe. We heard early on, you know, that masks uh, were something that they didn't want you to wear, that leave those for the professionals. And then, uh, of course, now there's a big push. And I, again, living here in New York, I've been wearing a mask for three months, and now other states are adopting. I think all of that has led to the uncertainty of the players, uh, because as I, you know, I've heard from baseball officials <clears throat> that their clubhouses uh, across section, you'd see the same sort of reactions you get across the country. Some people take it very seriously. They come from states. Players do where you know they wear masks. They take the social distance seriously, uh, more seriously, and. Other teams, players are like, you know, what's the big deal? It's not that big of a deal. You know, Buster, it's uh, it, it's it's just crazy. I mean, I was I, I did the East Coast trip with the family, where we went to the White House in, in the Capitol building. We did all of D.C. and then we went to Philly and Li Liberty Hall, uh, Independence Hall, and Liberty Bell. And then, I mean, speaking of Broadway, we were in New York and we took my kids to Hamilton and Wicked. And just to think that was late February and where we wow. are today, I never thought that I would see anything worse than 9-11 in my career with baseball. And that's, uh, you know, Barry Bonds at the time was going for the home run record. And that's what we were caught up here in the Bay Area. But this is the I, I think it's going to be the same for you, the worst you've ever seen in your career. There's no doubt. Um, and I you know, was covering the Yankees for the New York Times when 9-11 happened. And what I remember after that, and I'm sure you do too, was, how everybody really came together. You know, I had so many uh, – I, I remember the first game uh, that the Yankees played after 9-11. And the Yankees, let's face it, are baseball's Darth Vader. You know, historically, <laughs> they're the big market team that everyone, uh, you know, baseball fans like to hate. And I remember going to uh, – their first game after 9-11 was in Chicago against the White Sox. And people hold up signs uh, saying, I love America and the Yankees too. And the Yankees became – uh, darlings of the country that fall because people wanted good things to happen to New Yorkers who had just gone through 9-11 and everyone pulled together. You know, President Bush, who's a Republican, stands on a mound in a very Democrat state uh, and a huge standing ovation when he throws the strikes and everyone's pulling together. And on the other hand, now everyone just it just seems so fractured and the response seems so fractured 
Um, and that includes in clubhouses from, from what I've been told by uh, teams that they have, they do have some players who are pushing back on this stuff. And I, I just worry that none of it is going to come together, has a chance of coming together unless everyone's pulling the rope in the same direction. Let's end on this. Cause I do want to ask you a baseball question and looking at the AL West, uh, obviously for the A's, you know, the big question for us coming out of spring training was how many innings and how many outings are you going to get out of our young, very, very talented staff and Jesus Lazardo, AJ Puck, Sean Manaya. And then the other part was the vitriol that was going to be uh, thrown at the Houston Astros. You know, they're going to start here, then go to Anaheim. Everybody was going to be all over them. Uh, you know, we, we uh, talked to Richard Justice. He said when he went to the Astros camp that they were already worn down uh, from, from all the questions. They just, they, they looked haggard and they hadn't even started the season yet. So this COVID layoff, it, it possibly could help the A's with their young starters and could possibly help the Astros that they're not going to have the fans and the media all over them. I would agree with that. I think, uh, you know, both those things essentially could go away as factors. And you mentioned the Padres having a lot of young players. Uh, I think any team that has elite young starting pitching, you know, we don't have to worry about innings limits anymore. Uh, if in fact there's a 60 game season, you just roll them out there. And not only are you pitching in the A's case, not only are you pitching them because they're, among your most talented guys, but because you wanted to give them a chance to develop as well in this truncated season. So they're going to throw those guys out. I agree with you. I think that given everything that's gone on, um, the, the response to the Astros is going to be much more muted on the field. Yeah, I, I mean, in a given day, um, there might be a situation where it's 8 nothing in the sixth inning and you see some Astro get a, a fastball in the ribs and then we'll all be wondering, was that a message? But I don't think it's going to be nearly the type of response that we were talking about, uh, you know, back during the winter. Uh, I think for the for the Astros, the biggest question is going to be Justin Verlander coming back from groin surgery in March. Uh, you know, he's working off a mound, and and uh, you hear that he's making progress. But pitching in games, coming back from an injury, that's a difficulty. That's a difficult challenge. And let's face it, with the Astros having lost Garrett Cole already. And now questions about Verlander. You wonder where the starting pitching is going to be. It does absolutely feel like there's a window of opportunity for the athletics in a 60-game season. Well, I can tell you, you know, the news every single day, it's, 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 tough, to, it's tough to take. And thank you for what you do with your podcast because it's a must-listen to every single day. Not only to get me through swimming laps, but just to give us something other than uh, the news, which is just every day is so tough. And the fact that you're talking baseball every day, you're giving us baseball, it means a lot. So thank you for everything that, that you're doing right now because we as baseball fans truly need it. Well, I appreciate it, Chris. Now I'm going to be thinking as I'm talking like I'm going to be – geez, I'm talking to Chris Townsend here as he's going on lap 45. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. We have Himbo on the program all the time. We have Sarah. I mean, we, you know, I've learned so much from your podcast that that we, that we bring it to our show. So I, I say it all the time. I steal from you all the time, and that's the best compliment I can give you. Absolutely. I appreciate that. You take care. Be safe. And hopefully the next time we talk, we're talking about baseball. You too. Fingers crossed. From Buster only to Mike Petriello, this guy, the stuff, the information he puts out on MLB.com is second to none. 
Here is Mike Petriello from MLB.com. You know, we always appreciate the time. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Good to hear from you. Yeah, it really is good to hear from you. I, you know, we, we've been talking about during these times, bringing on familiar voices. And obviously, you're a familiar voice. And and hopefully at some point we can get baseball back, playing some games, and what that would really mean to all of our fans. I'm hopeful. I mean, we finally have made progress. We got past all the labor ugliness, at least for now. Camps are opening. Uh, fingers are extremely crossed that we can do this safely and uh, bring some entertainment to everybody. You know, some people have been very negative, and I understand. I mean, obviously, with, with cases going up. But then I turn around, I go, golf's playing. We got the KBO going. We have Japanese baseball. We have NASCAR. People are playing. And, 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 and I think golf's been a great example. If someone tests, they're out. You bring somebody else in. I mean, really, the PGA Tour has done a, a terrific job getting started and showing us the way. I mostly agree with that. The only difference there is that in the PGA Tour, you're a lone wolf, you know? So if you get sick, you don't have a whole clubhouse full of your teammates necessarily that you can knock out. But I, I think you're right. I mean, I think there is a way to do this safely. We do have to keep in mind, obviously, these are, are human beings with lives. And we saw some of the guys decide not to play. And you have to respect that. I mean, I expected a couple of them. And they're doing it for the right reasons. Anybody who gave them a hard time, I think, is being really inhuman about it. But, you know, so far, I think this is going to go okay. There's a ton of rules. The rule book is like 100 and something pages long. All of the players seem really enthusiastic. Like, they want to be there. A lot of the veteran guys say they're going to sit down with their teammates and say, you have to be safe and careful about this. And look, it still might not work. We are in the most uncharted territories probably than any of us can ever remember. It's possible this won't work, but I think it's a great thing that we're trying our best, and I hope it does work for everybody. Yeah, I, anybody who criticizes somebody for not playing, I mean, there there was you could criticize when they were bickering about money. I get that, but now with the virus, what you know, we don't know what you have at home. Whether your parents live with you, I mean, we know guys' wives are pregnant. I mean, it's like I, I, the the fact that anybody would criticize anybody for not being for not playing is absolutely ridiculous. If you want to talk about not playing and it's about the virus. I'm all for you. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And we know that there are guys who either personally have health issues, you know, some guys are cancer survivors or live with high risk people. You know, I think Ryan Zimmerman talked about uh, his mother who has had health issues and he's got a, a newborn at home. That makes total sense to me. Uh, we have to support those guys who make this choice because we know it's for reasons beyond baseball. And I think about once we get this going, how exciting is this going to be? It's 60 games. It's like a playoff game every single night. It's going to be a blast. Assuming we get a full season in, I've heard some people complaining about some of the new rules, and I get it. Maybe you don't like those. But as I've joked elsewhere, if your biggest problem with baseball this year is new rule you don't like, things are going great. <laughs> you know. But you're right. It's going to be weird. I mean, over 60 games, the best teams will still show up. Last year, the best teams, the most wins over 60 games were the Yankees, Dodgers, Twins, and Astros. And the fewest wins were, I think, like Tigers, Royals, and Blue Jays. You know, you're going to get the cream at the top and the worst teams at the bottom. But the middle, like that middle group of 20 teams, it's going to be wild. It's the, be the best way to think about this is over the a full 162-game season, you're essentially starting on August 1st with everybody's high. And you just go nuts down the stretch. And I think that could actually make for a lot of fun. Every game is going to be about three times as important. What do you think this is going to be like for managers? Well, none of these guys have any idea what what is this is going to be like. You know, a lot of these guys, most of them have been in baseball 
for decades, you know, and there is a certain way to do this. They know how spring training is going to be run. They know how travel is going to be. This is completely new. No one's ever done spring training or summer camp or whatever you're going to call it uh, at their home parks in July where they can't even have all their guys in the same room with no minor leagues. So right away, that is a completely foreign experience. And now there's new rules going forward uh, throughout the season. The roster sizes are different. Uh, there's the strategies are going to be different. There is not a single manager who can say, I know exactly what to do here because none of them do. All 30 of these guys are going to have to come up with their own strategies. You know, we've been joking with summer camp. Everybody's going to get a brown bag. Everybody's going to get a sandwich and a bag of chips and orange slices. <laughs> it's so fun. What do you think? We're doing summer camp here in Oakland. It's it's fun. I mean, I don't I want don't want to take away the seriousness of like the situation of the world we're in, but it's funny, right? Uh, these guys are in spring training part two, and the first version of it started in the winter, and the second version of it started in the summer. So why do we ever call anything spring training? Yeah, <laughs> and, and I got to tell you, you know, the biggest thing for us at, at spring training was what are we going to do with these young pitchers? How many innings? How many outings? And I think this really plays well for the A's. And I don't want to say, you know, hey, the pandemic is playing well. But, I mean, honestly, the fact that you're going to get 12 starts, it's going to be every five days, Puck, Lazardo, Manaya. we don't have to be – this actually is going to play well for the A's. Have you thought about that? Yeah, I have. And I think you're right. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, a team in their division like the Astros, right, it helps them that Verlander is healthy. Uh, but, you know, their depth is not actually going to be as much of a big deal over these couple months. And if you have young guys like the A's do, like Luzardo, like Puck, you mentioned, you're not likely, you wouldn't have been likely to go out there and throw them 32 starts and 210 innings. You know, you have to fill those starts with guys who probably just aren't as talented. And you don't really have to worry about this anymore. You can go to a, a Puck or Luzardo and say, listen, I just need you to give me a dozen starts, you know, probably starting off maybe four or so innings at a time, get me 12 outs. And the next time you go out there and get me 15 outs and make sure that there are good outs. And you can do that. That really does benefit a team like the A's that has like these high level young pitchers. Cause obviously the talent for these guys, nobody questions that. Uh, and the lineup has been very good. I really think the A's are in better position now to knock off the Astros than they would have been over a full six months. You know, the Astros, I knew they were going to benefit from this, from not having to deal with fans, but we re recently had Richard justice on from MLB.com. And Richard talked about how he went to Astros camp and he said they were, they were defeated. He goes, they, they were run down. That was in spring training. So we have no idea how hard this season was going to be for the Astros, the Astros from a standpoint of just getting ragged everywhere they go, the media pressure everywhere, everywhere they go. They're really going to benefit from no fans and really no media. I think so. And not just the no fans, because you're right. You'd have 35,000 people booing them every single night. That's not going to happen. I also I wonder what the, the time and the distance has done to this story. This was the biggest story in you know January, February. Right now, I don't know about you, but for me, February feels like it was about 35 years ago. You know, I can barely even remember what we were thinking in February. So I don't want to say fans aren't going to care because they will care. But it's hard to put that much importance on this story, given look at literally everything else on the planet right now. You know, they'll boo from home, uh, I'm sure, and they will boo through social media, but the Astros aren't going to have to hear that so much. And I think that actually is going to be uh, a little bit of a benefit to them. You know, we don't know what home field advantage is going to be like in this baseball world, but I don't think they're going to have as much of a road field disadvantage as they might have. All I know is this has been a running joke on the show. 
I love the movie Groundhog Day. It was funny. Now that I'm living it, it's not so funny anymore. No, I, I can't hear that Sonny and Cher song even one more day. Now, in my house, that's uh, theme songs to about four or five different Netflix children's shows that I could sing for you on command. But, man, I know the feeling. I am so excited for something new, anything new. I think we all need it. Yeah, you got young kids. You're chasing around young kids every single day. Every single day. We watch the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and Octonauts and try to make sure nobody throws himself down the stairs while holding down a full-time job. It is super fun. Yeah, it's all fun and games until they can walk and they can like pick something up and carry it into another room. That's when the game changes. Yeah, that's where we are. The cat, let me tell you, the cat is not thrilled that the one-year-old could walk. That's uh, that's our daily battle right now. <laughs> well, if you need D- Disney princess movies, I own them all. I can, I can help you out. I, I went through the whole gamut. Uh, it's incredible. I own them all. If you ever need them, let me know. I can help you out there. I will take any recommendations you have, Chris, anything to get me through this. <laughs> when you look into this season, what's the one thing you're most looking forward to? Well, I think the uh, National League is going to get the designated hitter, which I know a lot of people hate this. This is like a religious argument for people. We'll never change their minds. But given the conditions of the sport this year and the you know daily interleague play, uh, you have to do it, right? But what I was curious about is what, will happen to a particular piece of strategy, and that's the sacrifice bunt. It's going to basically go away. Now, I think everybody knows uh, the sacrifice bunt is not in style in the first place. There were only about uh, 780 of them last year. If you go back to the first team, uh, first season of the 30-team era in 98, there were 1,700 sack bunts. So we're already down by more than half. Well, guess which position accounts for more than half of sacrifice bunts? Pitchers. Pitchers don't get to hit anymore. So this is really going to go away. Now, I know there are some people who will be upset about that because they love small ball and strategy. And I grew up a fan of National League Baseball. I grew up a fan of the Dodgers. So I'm I'm really um, familiar with that. But also, like, pitchers aren't good at sacrifice bunting either. We talk about how they can't hit. A lot of them can't even bunt, you know? So I don't really feel like the loss of the sacrifice bunt uh, is going to cost much. And again, it's not going to go away entirely. You know, you're still going to have weak hitters who who in the right situation will do it. We might see it more in extra innings when you have the runner on second. I think that'll be interesting too. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, uh, good riddance, I'm not going to miss the sacrifice bunt. Yeah, I get callers all the time. It's a, why don't they bunt? I'm like, well, because you don't bunt your way to the big leagues. And I try to explain, they have the DH in high school, junior college, college, minor league baseball. The only place you don't have the DH is the National League. They're a dinosaur. And the reality is you can't bunt your way to the big leagues. These guys, you you get to the big leagues by hitting home runs and being productive and having great numbers. You don't get there by bunting. So when they go, why can't these guys bunt? Like, why would you bunt? You you nailed it, right? I mean, you, you look at how hard it is to hit in the major leagues right now, right? Velocity, crazy velocity. Everybody's got insane movement. This is why strikeouts are up every single year is because pitchers are ridiculous. That's the guys who are paid to hit are having a hard time hitting these pitchers. Now you're going to have the guys who aren't there to hit, who, as you said, haven't hit in many years coming up through the minors. Maybe they hit in high school or something. You're going to ask those guys to get up there and take swings. Pitchers had like a 45% strikeout rate last year. They literally cannot do this. I get it. Every once in a while, Bartolo Colon hits a cool homer. You know, Madison Bumgarner hits a home run. None of these guys can actually hit. And I just don't think we're going to lose a lot by missing out on an like almost guaranteed out. Yeah, we went through Mad Bum's numbers and said, take the name away and just look at his career numbers. That guy's released. That guy doesn't stay in the big leagues. <laughs> no you, shot. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you can't hit under 200 and have a couple home runs and think you're going to have a career. It's, it's these National League people need to figure this out. And I grew up in San Diego. I grew up in a National League town. So we, we were used to that. But the reality is now all these years being in the American League, when I watch a National League game and I watch the doubles or, or when we play a National League team and we watch the double switches and all that, I mean, there is a reality. The American League has pretty much handled the National League and inter- interleague play. There's a reason. And uh, if you look at the overall record, I mean, you put our lineup against the National League lineup, and for the most part, there, there's an advantage there for an American League team. Yeah, the National League has not outscored the American League since 1974, which coincidentally was the year after the DH came into existence. Uh, that might change this year. I think that'll be interesting to see as well, but... The idea that there's all this like interesting strategy and you can hit and run and bunt, that's a great idea in theory, but this rule change is not what's going to take that out of the game. That is already gone. You know, the game has already evolved that way over the last few years. And this is really just like turning off the light of a room that was already empty. You know, the game is what it is. I'm certainly in favor of some changes to get more balls in play and cut down on the strikeouts. All that is fine. Uh, But you're right. Nobody's getting to the big leagues by bunting. And I don't think you're actually going to miss that much this year. And what do you think about the West? Because all of a sudden, like the A's, we got to deal with the Astros who won 107 games. We now got to deal with the Dodgers who won 106. I mean, I mean, the West is pretty stacked. People think the Padres are going to be better. How interesting are the Arizona Dimebacks? What do you think about this West division? And basically, I, I don't know if you call it interleague play, whatever we're going to call it, but we're only playing against West teams. And it's it's going to be very interesting. It is. I mean, it's still two divisions. I mean, you still have the AL West and the National League West, right? So the A's only have to get through the other four teams. uh, And Seattle's no good. And Texas, I think, is a little overrated. So they really have to get past two more teams uh, to get to the top, which I I think they can. Now, as you said, they have to play the Dodgers, who are very good, and the Diamondbacks, who are competitive. Uh, The Rockies are terrible. The Giants are terrible. The Padres, you know, they'll be okay. Um, I don't think the change in schedule is going to affect the A's that much because now they don't have to go play the Yankees twice. They don't have to go play the Twins and the Rays and the Indians and some of these other like really good American League teams that they would have played. It really comes down to how good can they be over 60 games. And as you know, we talked about the young pitching, obviously Olsen and Chapman and Simeon and those guys, I think that they are, you know, if I had to pick, I probably still pick the Astros, but not by a lot. You know, it's like a coin flip for me. Uh, and I probably have the Angels slightly behind because I still don't think they can pitch. Now, we're on Google Meet, so we're able to see each other. That is like one of the coolest guitars I've ever seen right behind you. Yeah, that is, uh, if you can't see it, it is a MLB.com branded uh, guitar. It is a baseball-designed Les Paul. It's like a really good guitar. My uh, my friend and colleague at MLB.com, Corey Schwartz, had this, and he knows that I'm a you know bass player, but a guitar player as well. Uh, And he had it in his office and he gave it to me and he's like, do you want this? And I was like, yes, this is like a $1,500 guitar and it's painted like a baseball. Of course I want this. And it sounds great. Um, But since I'm not allowed to actually go see anybody or play music with anybody, it is basically serving at the moment as a accoutrement for my Zoom background, which I think we've all learned is incredibly important in these times. Well, hey, last time we saw you on MLB Network, you didn't have a beard. That is a strong <laughs> beard you have going there. As my son likes to call me porcupine face and that my quills have grown. Uh, yeah, the beard is three and a half months in the making. It's actually a little thicker than I thought it would be. And I think I'm going on MLB Network next week, so that might be time to shave it or at least trim it. I'm a little <laughs> worried my daughter won't recognize me when I do. So that'll be something fun to look forward to. 
Let's end on this. I've been asking everybody because you know we're all doing deep dives on something, whether it's Netflix, Hulu's games, books, puzzles. What what have you been doing? What what's your big deep dive you've been doing here during uh, quarantine? Oh, I wish I had time for a deep dive. I <laughs> I spend half my day watching the kids so my wife can work, and then after they go to bed, I catch up on work and then I go to sleep. So I've maybe watched two movies in the last three months. What I have been doing uh, just to cool down is, is playing PlayStation, MLB The Show, just to, to keep baseball going. That's been a lot of fun. Uh, but movies, Netflix, no. I just, who's got the time? Not me. How, how, who do you play when you play the game? Um, well, I, I've created my own team. You know, you can like create your own uniform. So I've got a Brooklyn team uh, that are green and black. Listen, green's my favorite color. The A's Kelly green jerseys, I think, are the best jerseys in baseball. So they kind of look like that. Um, but then, you know, you could play online, also try to collect like cool players and moments. So a little bit of everything. That is awesome. Hey, you know, thank you so much for taking the time. We want to bring on familiar voices for our fan base. You're one of those, obviously. And uh, hopefully the next time we speak, you're playing music and we're talking about baseball. I cannot wait. I would love to be discussing what happened in an actual baseball game the next time we speak. You take care. Be safe with your family. Thank you, Chris. You too. Well, that'll do it for AIDS Unfiltered. We want to thank Richard Justice from MLB.com, Chris Rose from MLB Network, Buster Only from ESPN, and Mike Petriello from MLB.com. Now back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.